0: Good morning, everyone. It's time to begin our morning service. We're thankful for all those that are here. Last week we had a real good crowd. We appreciate it. Has school begun, what, this past Monday? Some are still not in school, I think. But anyway, we'll see how this fall is going to play out and what we can do with Sunday evening service that's uh, we've talked about it and uh, over the summer months and and we're waiting to see how if it explodes again if it does then we have to take different action but uh, We'll continue as is now with Sunday morning, and then the Wednesday night class, if you haven't been able to pick that up or haven't picked it up on the, what's called, the guy that's doing the talking, probably everyone knows now, but uh, he was an atheist at one time, right? And I think before he said this week or last week, before he turned 30, he became a Christian. And some of the things that he talks about are kind of out there, but the words that was used and about the black holes, and the, I was at, talking to Rick about it this week, but it's to me it's very interesting. If you haven't had a chance, tune that in on at 4 o'clock, or any time after 4 o'clock you can pick up the feed. Sometimes I get it at 4, sometimes if it's raining I'm inside and I do it at 4, but, or... 7 or 10 30 at night but you can you can pick the class up on Wednesday evening and it's a real good job that that Chris and, or Rick and Chris are doing on Wednesday evenings we appreciate it very much a couple announcements John Klein is having knee surgery not heart surgery so you can scratch that my understanding uh, Vicky Bowen's friend Linda Fox her her surgery has been delayed continue to pray for the family of don Wilkes jr he recently passed this is jim's nephew so keep that family in your prayers at this time and also to terry egner at the sudden passing of his brother-in-law larry birdie keep the egner family in your prayers also also the uh, hurricane that hit along the Louisiana Texas border uh, we've sent $5,000 to to disaster relief in Nashville or are sending it and to help on that there are some things we can do even though we're held pretty tight to the cuff Alice there's front row seats (laughs) Charlie right up here (laughs) About a month ago, we had all these front rows a little bit full. And I thought, well, everybody's going to start getting here earlier and getting them a seat. But there's seats right up here, about behind Allen, a couple rows there. Nobody's sitting in or right there on the corner across from Gary and Pam. But anyway, there's still room. But it was kind of funny. Sorry. No, I'm not. But anyway, it's good to see everybody here this morning. And especially those of you that are visiting with us Uh, while you're in the building or Around everybody, we do encourage mask use, and uh, we'd appreciate it. Before we begin, I'd like to read Joshua 1, 7, 8, and 9. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we are thankful for this beautiful day of life that we have, to be able to come together and worship you in songs and spirit and hear another good lesson from your word. We ask you bless Chris as he presents us with the lesson. Be with each and every one of us as we sing songs to you. We're thankful for all the many blessings you've given us that we're able to be out. We ask that you continue to bless those that are working to find a vaccine for the virus. Pray that it comes quickly, but also it helps. Bless our country. Bless our community. Let our light shine here. We pray for our sick and those that are having surgery. Bless those that have lost loved ones this week and their hearts are heavy. Go with us through this service. We pray the things we do in accordance with your will and pleasing unto you. Forgive us when we sin. In thy son's name we pray, and amen. Would you stand for the first song, please?
1: Our first song is on the overhead only. It's How Great Is Our God. next song this morning is number one a beautiful life number one And leads in prayer.
2: Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning with thanks and in praise of your name, Father, for the blessings of life that you've given us, Father the comforts of life that we enjoy we know Father that that everything we have is because of your will and your grace Father we pray with those who can't be here with us this morning whether it be for health or or security or fear or, or for whatever reason Father we, we pray for your comfort on them your care be with those who are struggling with life right now Father we pray for patience and grace Father as, as we deal with others Father it, it, as it's not always clear that someone is struggling Father so we pray that we can be good beacons of your grace and your love Father most of all Father thank you for Jesus for his love for his death We pray, Father, that you do forgive us of our sins, Father, that were washed away by his blood. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Today's scripture is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer.
1: Our next song is number 950, Lamb of God, number 950.
3: How much can change in a year? Last Labor Day, we would have never imagined that the world would have been turned sideways, though, like it has been. The things that have happened, the places that we've been put into, the mandates that we've made been made to follow because of things that's developed over the last six months is incredible. You can't help but be a little anxious by the events. Between the virus and them not knowing exactly. What it does, how it works, how you get it to the riots and the protests. Will it be stopped on the interstate today? Will there be violence in Huntington? Will there be violence around me? Things are in turmoil. And thankfully, we're given rest. We're given peace. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. In Matthew cha- or John chapter 14, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus purchased our peace on that cross because we know that no matter what happens here, and it will get worse that this isn't it. This is just part of the journey. A path. But our destination is made for us, a way to our destination is made for us through Christ and His sacrifice, His willingness to submit Himself to awful men for a perfect purpose. To allow Himself to be nailed to a cross on our behalf so that we, not being able to make our own path, have a path. And that we Not willing to make our own peace, have been given peace. In order to set our minds where it needs to be for this, the Lord's table, I wanted to read the lyrics of a song that was written in 1707 by Isaac Watts. And I will try because it says a lot. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose such so rich a crown? If there were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Would you bow with me if we give thanks for the bread? Our Heavenly Father, Dear Lord, we come before you this morning so very thankful, dear Lord, for that sacrifice that was made on our behalf so that no matter our situation, no matter the things that go on around us, dear Heavenly Father, we can have the peace in knowing that we are yours and you've prepared a place for us, dear Lord. When this life is over, that we may have eternal joy in your presence. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you forgive us the sins and transgressions, dear Heavenly Father, and when we've fallen, dear Heavenly Father, help us to always get back up. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless this bread that represents that body of your Son that was given on our behalf. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you help us to put all things out of mind, that we concentrate on that, dear Heavenly Father, and we do this in a manner that's pleasing to you. In your Son's precious name we pray. Amen. Sorrow and love flowed mingled down. The blood of Jesus given on our behalf as it left his body and dripped to that ground paid a price that we could never pay and gave us an opportunity that we could have never made ourselves. And because of that, we have been set free. Free from the turmoils and the, the cares of this world knowing that it's just temporal. No matter what happens, it's temporal. And we have eternity promised to us. Will you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, in continuation of our prayer, dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for that willingness of your sons to become our sacrifice on our behalf and the blood that flowed, dear Heavenly Father, that covered our sins. Dear Lord, we ask that you... Bless us as we partake this. Bless the fruit of the vine that represents that blood, dear Heavenly Father. And let us do that in a manner that's pleasing to you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. concludes the Lord's table but separate in part we're also given the commandment to lay by and store Um, if we take a moment and just look around at the blessings that we have around us it's amazing we have more than we could ever need more than we deserve and he's provided to us when we couldn't provide for ourselves sometimes Everything we have, he's always provided for us. But there were many times in our lives, well, I've been married, that we didn't know where that bill was going to be paid or how we were going to get whatever we needed, and it always was there. You know, it is amazing, his His love and his provision. He asked us to lay by in store, to give back a portion of that we've been prospered so that that may continue to do God's work, the church's work throughout the community, throughout the world. And we should be honored and joyful and more able to give back to that when we realize the wonder of the blessings He bestowed on us. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we are humbled, dear Lord, that, that you provide for us the way you do, dear Heavenly Father, that you have kept your promises and, and made a way for each of us, dear Heavenly Father, and you've blessed us far beyond that measure. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for those things, those blessings that you've given us, dear Heavenly Father. We just ask that you you be with us, dear Heavenly Father, that those blessings never obscure our sight of you and and what's truly important, dear Heavenly Father. Dear Lord, we ask that you be with us as we give. Let's do so in a cheerful heart. Dear Lord, we ask that those funds be used to further your, your church, your purpose, dear Heavenly Father, and your will. Dear Lord watch over us always God guard direct us in your son's precious name we pray amen I didn't mention if you had the uh, if you have an offering um, we have the yellow buckets in the back there you can put the offering in uh, they don't send the, we aren't sending the deacons through right now so if you have an offering and you haven't done so then uh, the two yellow buckets at the, at the front door thank you
1: let stand. We'll sing number 523, 523, Our God, He is Alive.
4: tired of the indecision, aren't you? Do I wear the mask? Do I not wear the mask? Is this the smart, kind thing to do, or is it not? Is it something else? Uh, do I send my kids to school? Do we not? Do we do virtual? Do we do online? What's going on? Do my kids play soccer? Do they play a sport? Do they not? Well, All these decisions. I feel like I've tortured myself over the last six or seven months over these these decisions that ought to be so simple right we find I'm not the brightest cookie in the tool shed (laughs) but usually I'm smart enough to be able to look at the experts and say oh this 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 person over here says something that is intelligent and it seems to make sense and I'm going to buy into what they're saying and and we're going to go that direction at least our family will so you'll find an expert on this virus and what's going on right now, and you'll think, oh, that sounds really smart. Uh, I I understand, I buy into what what they're teaching, and I think that that makes sense to me. And then the next day, what happens? You'll find another expert that sounds just as smart, who's on the opposite end of that thing, right? So you're kind of like, what do I do? I'm kind of tortured with the indecision. I'm ready to make a decision. Uh, And that's kind of what this series is about, Rhythms of the Church. We've gotten out of some different habits, right? Uh, for most of us, Sunday night, Wednesday night, those things are habits, right? We miss them when we don't do them. Uh, and so when Sunday night rolled around that first, the first week when we were back maybe, or, or certainly when we did the virtual uh, online worship services, Sunday morning rolled around that first time, what did you do? And you woke up early and you were, you're like, oh, this feels weird. Like, you turned on the TV, and you saw my beautiful face. You're like, oh, this is just odd. Right? You, you were breaking a habit. Habits are hard to break. And in some instances, that's a good thing. They're also hard to start. And I feel like we've gotten out of some habits that are beneficial for us. But we've also started some habits maybe that, that are good for us. Um... I want to encourage us throughout this series, it's going to be four weeks, so it's a pretty short series, and it's all based out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So if you've got your Bibles, be turning to Acts chapter 2, it's the passage Casey read for us this morning, verse 42. Each one of these things are a, is a habit that I think the early church had, that, uh, that we need to pick up. That we need to put in our own lives. If we're not already doing it, it's something that we need to begin doing. So, with that said, let's dive into this, this text. Acts chapter 2. We'll start in verse 42. And they devoted themselves. Maybe you missed that as Casey read through it this morning, that they, they devoted themselves to these to these things. For us, we might call that a, a habit. And so they were forming some habits early on in the church. They had began doing some things that made them successful. Right? The first century church is the is the church that we all look up to. Right? We we try to emulate their style of worship, uh, their 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 way that they were saved, uh, their lifestyle. We attempt today to emulate to imitate those things because obviously they were doing it right the apostles were there and so certainly the way that they were saved was correct uh, certainly the way that they worshiped was correct and certainly the way that they lived was correct or otherwise the apostles would have put their foots down and gotten them back on the right track right not even to mention the success the early church had let me back you up here uh, starting maybe in chapter one, maybe even going back to Jesus' crucifixion to get you to where these people are. Because they didn't just show up one day and start devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. That's not where they started. They started, a good, a good spot for us to start is as at Jesus' crucifixion. And so there the apostles are, and they're, they're watching, at least some of them, are watching Jesus be crucified, he's in the grave. Friday night, Saturday, all day, and then Sunday morning he raises up uh, from the dead, and he goes out and he starts meeting people, right? He meets people for 40 days, a little over a month. The resurrected Jesus is walking around eating with people because that's what you do when you're resurrected from the dead, I guess. You walk around eating with people and talking to them, showing yourself to them. At one point, he shows himself to over 500 people at one time. Now, this is the turning point in in Christianity. This is what we base our faith on, right? That he was not there. His body was not in the grave, right? That's what we base our faith on. And it's secure evidence, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but when his brothers, James and at least Jude, uh, when Jesus was alive, his brothers didn't believe in him. His sisters didn't believe in him. His, his own mother didn't really know what to do with him as far as, is he the son of God? Should I obey him? Is, is he the Lord? Is he God? And so his brothers and his family weren't, weren't very sure. But interestingly enough, after his resurrection, after he appeared to James and to Jude, they died for him in the belief that he was the resurrected Jesus in the belief that he was God. You don't die for something that's not true. So these men were convinced, and rightly so, that Jesus really was God, that he was not in the tomb that Sunday morning because they saw him, right? Forty days pass. They meet with Jesus on multiple occasions. Uh, He enters locked rooms. He eats with them. Thomas is able to put his hands in the nail wounds and in the spear wound, Uh, of the resurrected Christ. Uh, And then he meets with the disciples after the 40 days is over, and he says, hey, I want you guys to stay here in Jerusalem. Uh, There's something that's going to happen here in this city that you do not need to miss. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to anoint you. He's going to wash over you, uh, and you're going to have power. Now, when did that happen? Well, they stayed around in Jerusalem. And about ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit washed over these twelve men. Now Matthias is numbered among the eleven disciples. And so there are twelve disciples, twelve apostles again. And so they stand up in the middle of Jerusalem and they start talking. What they are saying is the gospel message. That sermon is found in Acts chapter 2. uh, At least what Peter said is found in Acts chapter 2. And it's simply a testimony from an Orthodox Jew to Orthodox Jews explaining how their scriptures had been showing them, foretelling Jesus' life, his mission, and his death, ultimately to save them from their sins. And that now that had already happened. And Jesus was was the Messiah that they had been waiting on, and so now, about there were about hundred and twenty people, including the disciples, there in Jerusalem on that on that day on, on the day of Pentecost, and the disciples are teaching, and this massive crowd forms because they're speaking in languages that they should not know. Pentecost is an interesting time in Jerusalem, uh, much like Passover, because there are Jews from all over the world come to Jerusalem. Uh, during Pentecost. Um, and so they are and have been there since Passover. And so they are listening to the gospel spoken by men who are Galileans. You know, they're nice guys, but they're not, they're not the Pauls of the world. You know, These guys are not educated men. They ought not know several languages. They certainly shouldn't know languages from halfway across the world where these people have come from. But here, Peter and... and, and um, all the rest of the disciples are speaking in languages that these guys from around the world understand. And so they're hearing the gospel message. And so a massive crowd starts forming around the disciples. When, uh, when we were in Africa, this is one of the, the I think I'll tell the story to my grandkids. But uh, Kelly and I were along the, the side of the street there. And we've got an interpreter, and it's just me, Kelly, and our, and our interpreters, a preacher for the church there in Africa. And, uh, and this man comes down the sidewalk, and, and uh, I've got a pamphlet, and I hand it to the guy. and say, hey, you want to come, uh, come have a Bible study with us? And the interpreter interprets, and he says, brother, preach, preach the word to this man. And so I was like, oh, okay. I was 20. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and so I start talking to him, and I'm, I'm going, thinking fiercely. My mind's working overtime. You guys are kind of familiar with my mind and my mouth working overtime, right? So I'm thinking fiercely, and I'm looking at the scriptures, and Kelly's feeding me uh, the next scripture and stuff, and I'm trying to think. So I'm not looking at the guy, I'm, I'm looking down here and I'm looking at Kelly and I'm looking at the interpreter, and I look up, and all of a sudden, there's like 30 or 40 guys around us. A crowd had formed around us as, as I was teaching this concept. It's just a kind of an incredible experience, but something even on a greater magnitude, infinitely greater magnitude than that happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter and Philip and, and uh, Thomas and Matthias looked up there were around 3,000 people that had gathered in this crowd and then finally Peter said well what do you guys think you need to do about this because they were, they were cut the Bible says they were cut to their hearts they were, they were wounded they were convinced that, that Jesus really was God and that they had really killed him and now they wanted to know what to do to, to appease God How can we be friends with them again? Because I don't want to be enemies with Yahweh. And so Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, right? 3,000 people were baptized that day. It's those people that started devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This morning we're only going to talk about one of these things. Over the next three or four weeks, we're going to talk about uh, the fellowship, what exactly that means, and the breaking of bread. And then the final week, we'll talk about the prayers and exactly what that means. But this morning, I just wanted to spend some time with you, very quickly, talking about what it, what the apostles' teaching is. It's not just the gospel. That's what Peter told them right on the day of Pentecost when three thousand people were saved when they were baptized. That's, that's the gospel. The apostles' teaching is something more than that. It is how the gospel plays out in the hundred billion different ways throughout our lives, right? It's how we apply the gospel to our lives. What does the gospel mean in this particular situation? Since I've been transformed, since my mind is being renewed day by day with Christ, since I am His person how do I interact with this situation over here? That's what the apostles' teaching uh, is. And so um, it explores how we ought to live thanks to the gospel of Christ. This is a picture of me and Titus from from several years ago when we lived in Alabama. You can actually see our house on the hilltop uh, behind us uh, there. The gospel is kind of like uh, it is a transformation formative experience in our lives right it, it's the it, it's immersive uh, let me illustrate it like this when we were in Alabama there was this couple that uh, me and Kelly just really loved uh, they were the coolest couple you know uh, they were they were a little bit older than we were uh, about twice they were our parents age actually still are uh, in Alabama there, doing great things <laughs> Uh, but uh, we really looked up to this couple. They were amazing. You know, They were mountain climbers. They had climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, they, uh, they went kayaking. Uh, they, they were dirt, uh, not dirt bike, but mountain bike. Uh, they did trails. Uh, and so I was like, I'm, I, I don't want to climb Kilimanjaro, but I want to ride uh, trails with these guys in the woods. And so I started uh, looking around for a bike, and I finally found one. A friend gave me this, this mountain bike, and uh, I started riding through some of the trails with these guys, and I picked up all kinds of gear. Uh, still to this day, I've got the, 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 back, uh, the backpack that, you know, you can suck water through a straw. You look all professional and cool and stuff. But I got all kinds of gear. I rode all the time. I was looking for ways to get from my house to the church building and around the city and looking for ways to connect sidewalks to each other and just always looking for trails. I was on the Internet quite a bit and talking to this other couple uh, quite a bit about where we could go riding and things. And that's where my mind was. I, was. I was where I spent my money. That's where I spent a lot of my time. That's where a lot of my passion lay. Uh, and you can see that, that kind of rubbing off on Titus. He still enjoys riding his bike, and I still kind of live in this world a little bit uh, and would like to get more into it uh, again. Uh, but I bought a road bike. All this to say, it's an immersive experience. Have you ever had an experience like that where... One thing just kind of changed everything you cared about, everything you thought about, everything you spent your money on, your priorities. Um, It was nothing for me to spend 45, 50 miles uh, a week on my bike. It's finding time to do that, right? So what? I cut out other activities. The gospel, when we believe it, when you believed it at your baptism, transformed you. At least it started the process. It started changing what you loved, what you thought about, what you were passionate about, what you spent your time on, how you thought, what you think about uh, the world and everything in it and every situation that you could possibly find yourself in. It transforms your mind. That's what the apostles were teaching on a day-to-day basis among the first century churches. How does this gospel that you believe, you are convinced that Jesus was not in the grave? In fact, some of these 3,000 had probably seen him walking around Jerusalem for the month that he had been resurrected right before he went, uh, ascended back into heaven. And so they were convinced. And so what do they do? Well, when these... Uh, men stand up on the day of Pentecost and they start teaching that Jesus really was God, that you killed him, that now He has ascended back into the Father. They believed that, right? And so they started transforming their lives. Their lives were different after their baptism than they were before, and they started loving different things and started thinking about different things, started being concerned about different things. In the apostles' teaching was the thousand and one ways that the gospel affects our everyday life. Every decision we make, every thought we have, every friend we make, every friend we lose, everything. It affects, it filters down into every tiny particle of our lives. It changes, it touches and changes everything. Turn over to Matthew 28. We're, we're dealing with some very familiar passages this morning, uh, for us, I am sure. But there are some things in here that maybe we haven't put into practice as well as we should. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Let's, let's talk about what a disciple is very quickly. Back in Acts chapter 2, the mission that Jesus gave the disciples was to bear witness, right? He wants them to bear witness to his resurrection, to his life, to his teaching, to his mission, and take up that mission on their own shoulders and and carry it out to this world. And so they were to bear witness. Let's see their mission here, and you're going to figure out that they're not different at all. Matthew 28, 18 twenty. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. There it is. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So, what, what's our job? What's one decision that, that we can make? Like I said earlier, I'm kind of tired of all the indecision. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. (laughs) Tell me what's the safe thing to do. Tell me what's the nice, the godly, the good thing to do. And I don't know that we're ever going to know that answer as far as this this virus stuff is concerned. But there's one decision that I know that we need to be making is we need to be disciples. Now, that's a word that we use quite a bit, right? What does it really mean? to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, this word, at its very core, is not a religious word. This disciple word, it's not a religious word. It's simply a learner. It's something, someone who longs to be taught. And so that could be in anything. Calculus, geometry, Christianity. A disciple is someone who is a learner. And so... It's not something that we just stop doing. When we're baptized, we've learned about Christ, right? We've been taught about Him, how to be saved, what He wants from us. But then you're baptized, and then you stop learning. You stop longing to be around Him and be around His people and stop longing to get into His Word. That doesn't make any sense, right? So this is just the first step. After that, I I continue to learn. I make learning about him a lifelong pursuit. It's the thing that I'm interested in. It's the thing that consumes me. That's what they were doing in the first century church. Let me take you back to Acts chapter 2 very quickly. Let me show you something that they were doing here. Acts chapter 2. Look in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. What were they doing? Day by day. These people were around each other, right? It's hard for us to be around each other today, isn't it? It's one of the things that that makes Sunday nights and Wednesday nights great for us because we get to be around each other and see each other. It makes the disciple the learning part. Of our job so much easier but did you see just a little side note here did you see an elite group of disciple makers either in acts chapter 2 or in matthew 28 is is the preacher or the elders or the deacons are they the elite disciple makers like did we see that in the passage who who are the disciple makers it's every one of us right it's my responsibility to disciple you, but it's also your responsibility to help me learn and your responsibility to help each other learn. And so that's what the early church was doing day by day. They were meeting in big gatherings, kind of like what we're doing here today. They were meeting in the temple, is what uh, verse 46 says. The temple is still the largest open space in in Jerusalem today. And so you were fitting 3,000, 4,000 guys, uh, 4,000 people, Around that number, maybe more than that number, even, um, as the church grew, they were meeting there in the temple, talking about Jesus, discipling each other, learning from each other, learning from the apostles every day. Every day. They were, they were consumed by this, right? But it wasn't just the big gatherings. Go back and look at what he says in verse 46, it was also in their houses. And so there were these tight knit groups, that that were that were in the current that were in the churches in, in Jerusalem. They were always with each other. It's kind of tough for us to be with each other. This year, isn't it? That might get easier. But the demand to disciple demands that we are with each other, as in if we can't meet because it's not safe, we call each other. And maybe that means you go stand on somebody's front yard and just say, hey, how's it going? Well, how's, it, how's your faith? Like, what's going on? You, know, what's, you ever miss, like, I have a laundry list of things that I want to ask from so many of you. And just say, hey, how's it going? What's going on? But I only see you once a week. So it's hard. So Maybe some of you guys are getting some calls or I'll show up on your front yard or something. But we need to find a way even in the midst of this to be together so that we can disciple each other so we can learn him so we can learn from Christ that's what the early church did that's one of the reasons they found such success can you imagine 3,000 people coming forward to a lesson today well, what would we do You know, how would you do that it would be amazing. How would we do it? It's so one of the reasons they were so successful. is because they had devoted themselves to these things. And they had allowed this to transform, consume them, their lives, their minds, their habits. This was one of their habits. Was to learn Christ. To go deeper. To dig deeper. To, to be together. But not just together for the purpose of hanging out, but to be together to learn from each other, to learn more about Christ. That, that was one of their habits. And so, as we're talking about this this month, rhythms of the church, one of the rhythms of the church, of the early church, and one of the rhythms of the 21st century church, has to be that we are continual learners of Him. Uh, PTP 365 is a fantastic uh, website. You can go in there. You can log in. I think it's $100 a year. You can get uh, lesson after lesson after lesson after online lesson uh, by fantastic preachers. Um, the, uh, all of our lessons are archived on YouTube, on Facebook, on the phone call system. You can find those. There's a sheet at the back of the uh, auditorium to, to this morning that has uh, several questions on it from this lesson that will help you dig deeper into these texts and these thoughts. Uh, so whatever this looks like, we need to be devoting ourselves to learning more about Him. Even in, especially in our current context where it's hard to be together, where maybe it's, maybe it's not safe to be together. There's some things that we can do and should be doing that can devote ourselves to learning about Him. We should have been doing those things, even when we weren't, even when we were meeting on Sunday night and Wednesday nights. These are some things that we need to devote ourselves to. This morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, you need to devote yourself to studying about Him. I'd love to sit down with you uh, today or tomorrow, next week, to sit down and study with you. Just about what, what he said, who he was, what he demands from your life. If you've already made the decision to become baptized today and you just need the prayers of the church to, to devote yourself to focus on the things that really matter, that have eternal consequence, why don't you come this morning as we stand and sing?
1: you have not done so already, uh, your offering can be placed in the receptacles at the back. After this, J.B. will lead us in closing prayer.
5: you. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you at this time, offering up our praise to you as the God of salvation, the God that created this earth and all of its beauty. Father, we thank you for the privilege we've had to come together one more time as the body of Christ. To worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray, Father, that this worship service is coming up to you as a sweet-smelling savor. And, Father, we pray that you will accept it. And, Father, we thank you for what Chris taught this morning. And help us, Father, to have that desire that the early church had as they met and loved and came together and associated with each other. And, Father, help us to understand that this time especially, all power has been given to your Son in heaven and on earth. He is the only one that has the power, the whole power. He has an everlasting power that will never end. And, Father, we pray for those who are absent this morning, whether it be for physical sickness or spiritual sickness. We pray, Father, that you will be with them. And those, Father, who have kind of pulled away a little bit, help us to know who they are, that we might go to them, that we might talk to them, that we might persuade them by your word which states that all things that pertain to life and godliness have been given to each one of us. Help us, Father, to do your will this week if we have an opportunity to teach your word. Help us to know and what to say and to teach your word only, Father. Go with us now. Watch over us, Father. Bless those that are sick. Protect them with you love, God the doctors. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.